When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Worst First. Today I have two very special guests. I have Robert Cohen, MD, who is a you do body plastic surgery the most, right? And Ben Talley, who is like the facial f- to the stars. You like fix people's faces. I like to put them back to normal. Hold your mic. I like to put them back to normal. <laughs> he hasn't. Oh, yeah. He hasn't done my face yet, but we're gonna work on that later. I'm dead. I have you. Can you do my face on the podcast? <laughs> I brought. Actually, I told her to bring some uh, super glue. <gasps> silly putty. It's not enough. It's not enough. I'm dead. But no, it's actually so funny because I neither of them have worked on me yet. But I did go to a consultation with Robert back in the day. and they back in the day. Um, and they are together now at the Beverly Hills Center, which is like the premier plastic surgery center. But I wanted to have you guys on the podcast today because, Ben, you have like such an interesting backstory. Tell me about it. You tell me about it. I mean, this is so crazy because, I mean, I've seen you obviously on Instagram. You do, you have to check out their Instagram, both of them, at Ben Tally, B-E-N-T-A-L-E-I. Yeah. Got it. And then Robert Cohen, M-D, C-O-H-E-N. They both do amazing work. But the interesting thing about Ben is I was talking to him and asking how you became a plastic surgeon. And you were like, oh, well, before I was a plastic surgeon, I was a private investigator. Yeah, I had a, I had a lot of jobs. I actually met this uh, forensic psychiatrist once I was in med school. And the guy said he was going around the room saying, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us about your lives? And then nobody's talking. And so he's like, OK, Ben, you seem to be the loud mouth who shuts up now. Why don't you tell me about your life? And I'm like, well, Dr. Desai, I'm like, it's a long life. What do you, how do you, what do you want to know? He goes, well, just tell me chronologically. And I'm like, OK, well. Uh, from the beginning, I'm like, I was born in San Jose. And then I go through my life story, which is, you know, I was in San Jose, moved to LA. I started composing music on the piano when I was like 10. Um, I started cooking when I was, you know, eight or 10. And then when I uh, moved to LA, I worked at a pet shelter. I started teaching piano in high school. I was, uh, when I, gra- I graduated high school and then started working at Guess in Beverly Center. So you worked at like, Guess? Yeah, 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 I worked at Guess in Beverly Center. Can you Center. imagine someone be like, He's like, can I get you a new size of jeans? Can I fix your face also? Can I? Yeah, I wasn't there yet. <laughs> that's, just, okay, so you worked again, and then and then yeah. what? And then what happened? I'm sorry, then, I interrupted then, you. No, it's like then I was at UCLA, and while I was at UCLA, I was a ski patrol in Big Bear. I drove an ambulance. I was an EMT. I was uh, taking different kinds of art classes and all this other stuff, and uh, was still a piano teacher. Then uh, graduated from UCLA, probably like a year and a half. So I didn't have anything to do. So I went to Spain for a bit, started like a blood drive thing over there and then went traveled everywhere. And I just wanted to party. I didn't want to go to school yet. So, uh, I was a private investigator at that point. 
for a year because it made more money than the ambulance. Okay, but how does one just become a private investigator? Because I feel like that's something that's like you have to know how to. I mean, I feel kind of like I'm a private investigator because my husband likes a girl's photo. I can find everything about her in like two seconds. Right. You're like, oh, you like that girl's photo. Okay, well, I see that. And let me just go over and find everything about her life story. Uh, But I mean, back then we didn't have. No, it's different now. Instagram. We didn't have anything like that. So how do you get into it? You just first you become a stalker. And then once you're a stalker, then you try to get paid to be a stalker or you become an investigator and then you stop telling people about it. Then it's a private investigator. So I, I went, my, my cousin was a PI. And uh, when I was like 13 years old, we would go with him. We used to race boats and cars together. Uh-huh. So he's, he's the guy who got me into like racing. And uh, so this is what happened. He'd like, like tell me, hey, Thursday, let's go racing. So we go take the boats, do this offshore race. And then afterwards, he's like, I have this case and you got to come with me. So we go on the case. We'd end up in like Compton or Inglewood or, you know, different places. And he would need me to go get the person out of their house if it's a case he's been on forever. So I'd come up with some story, knock on the door and be like, hi, mister. We're uh, collecting newspapers for our school. So and uh, heavy boxes. So you try to You're like 25. He's like school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, 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 this is when I was like 13. And so I'd go knocking on these doors and get people to do things. And uh, I was since I drove an ambulance and I raced cars, I was really good at following people. Because uh-huh. when you're a PI, you have to follow someone, two cars behind them uh, without them seeing you. And if so they pass scary. a yellow light, you're passing a red. If they're in traffic on a motorcycle, you're driving up curbs into shopping centers, jumping out. You know, you, you have to keep up with them because that's the number one part is not losing them. Once you get through that, the rest is easy. And so I became the best private investigator in the firm, which was Empire Pacific. Empire Pacific is like, it's my cousin's firm and he's the best. And I was the best in his firm. So okay, so like, the what's cases. the biggest thing that people hire a private investigator for? So it's, it's half workman's comp. So it's half like insurance stuff. And then the other oh, like half, people who fake injuries fake who it, are I like, Oh, I broke my neck at work. And yeah. then, and then they're at like soul cycle. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, there's this like Persian lady who um, is a pillar in her community. Right. And she works for the government and goes and breaks her back supposedly. And then, she gets red flagged because like, oh, she just started working at this and how are you going to break your back? And so they called the insurance company, insurance company hired us. We follow her. And then two weeks later, she's on a retreat of throwing a fake retreat, by the way, herself scamming people out of money, one of these like bullshit retreats. And so my brother, my little brother went with my cousin as participants on this retreat. And I was following her the rest of the time. But there is like things like that. And those and are you take things. pictures and videos and then you bring it, they spring it to court and go like yeah. this bitch is lying. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know insurance companies did this. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the time. So, so guys, don't fake any fucking injuries. Or if yeah. you do, where commit. commit. Okay. You, you gotta to be commit. like you gotta be like uh, you know, you gotta be like Leonardo DiCaprio in that shit. You gotta commit. You gotta fully act. You gotta sleep with that neck brace on. You gotta method yeah. act it. You gotta <laughs> live it. Okay. You gotta fuck your girlfriend with the neck brace on. Like, you're not taking it off, you know? Like, no, they and we, we've had people who had like a $10 million lawsuit that was in, they were already going to get the money. And this dumbass is this old, she actually lived right here. She Stop. Lived, it's my yeah. neighbor. Yeah, She's she like, right Hey, here. I remember you. you used to follow me around. <laughs> yeah, no. So she lived right here and I used to have to follow. It was the worst thing. Cause she would wake up at like six in the morning. This is, this is during my party days. And I wouldn't Ew. want to wake up at 6 a.m. And I'd follow her. And like one day she'd be selling bags, like fake bags out of a van on like Ventura somewhere. The next day she's in the gym working out. She's supposed to have a broken back. So this I was have, the same lady, same lady. And I'd have to follow her everywhere. So to go in the gym, they wouldn't let me in the front. I went and found a bag in my car, ripped a hole in it, put my camera in the bag. 
and then went and followed her. I, I went in through the back, went in through the bathroom entrance, came back, put it down on a treadmill and just started, you know, filming her or she went to Fry's Electronics and she's picking up these like heavy TVs, big fat lady. And I would just put the camera. Well, in Fry's Electronics, I just put it right in front of her because it's like an electronics store. Uh, but people do all that crazy shit. And she didn't recognize you. Like this guy has been a lot of places I've been like strange, strange Middle Eastern. <laughs> he, bought a, he bought a Fuji purse out of my bag the other day. <laughs> like Now he's here yeah. at Fry's in the gym. That's weird. Yeah. I followed her for months. That's crazy. So she lost out on the $10 million. Yeah. And she already had it coming. Like it was already settled and they showed this and then she got a felony charge for fraud. You so. guys. Yeah. This is crazy. What about infidelity stuff? Did that you have to do other. a lot of that? Like, what do people pay? Like, just are you allowed to say, like, yeah. what is a normal it rate? Was, it was at that time, it was like 150 an hour okay. uh, that you pay for a PI, which is like at least four hours. And so people would come to you and go, hey, I think my partner's cheating. Can yeah. you follow them? Yeah, we knew how to catch them. So Damn. Um, you're all under their bed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like just with the camera. <laughs> yeah, I, I jumped in once, but <laughs> oh my um, god, no, we, we we would tell. So we had like this guy come. It was fifty fifty on guys and girls, so it's not like guys are the only ones cheating. Whoa. Women were actually, guys would come to the firm and be like, "My bitch is cheating on yeah, me." Oh yeah. shit! So we had this guy actually come to us. He owned like a bunch of liquor stores everywhere. This guy was like, you know, multimillionaire. And starts dating this girl and her, his friends keep warning her saying like, there's something shady about her. There's something wrong. We don't trust her. Boy. And he's like, I'm going to marry her. We're engaged. I love her. And I will take her side over your guys' side. So fuck you. And after a while, he's finally comes to us and says, you know what? I'm a little worried. I kind of want to look into it. What should I do? And we're like, okay, well just tell her that you're leaving town for two weeks. Cause if you tell her you're leaving town, she'll start cheating. It's like, it's way harder when you're in town. Mm -hmm. So he goes on a fake vacation, doesn't really leave LA. We follow her and he had bought her a house in Marina del Rey, bought her a Mercedes, gave her, you know, it's not like the money's everything, but he's taking care of her, getting ready to get married. And he really loves this girl. Totally loves her. And we start following her. She drives like a psycho. <laughs> and, and I've been racing cars since I was a kid, like keeping up with her, what like my heart would be racing. She would just get on the shoulder on the 405 when there's traffic and do 70, 80 down the shoulder. She just didn't give a shit about it. Okay, anything. Vin Diesel, calm yeah, down. She's no, like she Fast and the Furious. Yeah, so we follow her. And the first place she goes is in, is the Mercedes dealership. She like kind of circles around it. We're like, okay, she's going to Mercedes. She ends up parking a block up the hill for whatever reason. And then we zoom in on her and you see her taking off her ring, puts it in her purse and walks to the dealership. Drives out two hours later with another Mercedes from another guy. So what yeah. the f was she like a high end escort or something? I mean, she's some kind of hoe, but dead. <laughs> yeah. And so then what would happen? You would just give the guys or girls all the evidence and then they would just present it. You wouldn't guys wouldn't yeah. be there when they. Well, in this case, we were. So usually we're not. Usually we give it to them and they do what they do. But this guy, um, he was a little nervous and then she was taking martial arts at the time. So she had like, <laughs> he's bruising. like, she's going to karate chop my balls yeah, off. Well, we thought we actually told oh him too. God. We're like, dude, she's a little crazy. She might say that you hit her and she has all these bruises on her body all the time. We see it like, yeah, she gets beat up. So we went with him to the, uh, to the, to the drop, to this, to the site to where, where she lived. And she's there like partying with her friends and he walks in and he's like, honey, these are my friends. They're private investigators. We've been following you for a while now. And then we have pager cams. So this one pagers were like around. So yeah, we had like I'm like, cam. pager cams. Yeah, yeah we yeah. have pager cams. So we're filming it just in case she does anything. And he's about to leave. 
And my cousin tells him, Hey, if you want to get that, you know, million dollar ring back, which it was something close to a million, like you should go back and get it now, or it's going to be hard to get. So he goes back in and grabs her hand and says, you don't deserve this. And like pulls it off like dramatically and leaves. Wow. <laughs> and get your shit out of the house in two days or we will have it all <laughs> taken out for you. Did you? Okay. Okay. Th- okay. This is my last private investigator question. Did you ever have it go wrong where someone saw you and they were like, why the fuck are you following me? So I was, I was sneaky. Like nobody ever caught me. My wow. cousin was amazing, but he's been doing it for like so long. Of years. course, there's going to be some time. He's yeah. been chased like, uh, you know, the semi trucks. Imagine yeah. how powerful they are. One without like a trailer behind it, chased him to run him over and over like people's lawns, like where the police had to come actually arrest the guy. So oh he was trying God. to kill my cousin. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, there have been those situations. And like, have you ever been in a really dangerous situation with like guns and stuff? No, I've always been okay. Even like I've had drug dealers come up to me when I'm parked in like, uh, you know, there's uh, there's projects in Compton yeah. where I used to park at, but I was always good at getting out of it. I'm very like friendly. So and, yeah. I, and I used to drive an ambulance there too. So oh. I, like I know the area and mm. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm just hanging out here. My friend's over on like, you know, in, in section B, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, okay. Drug dealers would come up to your car to try to sell you drugs? Well, they're like- Or be like, what are you doing in our territory kind of thing? They're like, what are you doing in a blacked out car? Oh, they thought you were like cops or something. Either cops or like competing drug dealers. <laughs> okay, so you're doing this PI shit. Are you in medical school? No, uh, I was accepted. So I had gotten like my scholarships and all that kind of sorted out. Yeah. I just didn't want to go yet. And then why plastic surgery? Well, first I want to be a heart surgeon. Oh. Then I wanted to save lives. Then Aww. I was like, okay, I'm going to do head and neck cancer. So I go into head and neck cancer surgery, which is like it's ear, nose and throat and head and neck cancer. Mm -hmm. And then I get to my third year and my third year, I was in charge of the clinic and I had to tell people, Hey, you have cancer. Mm -hmm. And when you tell someone they have cancer, they, they don't like it. And so I, I'm very uh, sensitive. So as soon as I say that to somebody, I start to cry before they're, they they cry. Like Mm -hmm. if they start to feel something and I was crying, every day oh my god they're like our doctor's crying (laughs) like yeah i mean i would too that's horrible that's like you know and i didn't realize what was going on because i was just come home and i was used to working i was at columbia and columbia is like they kill you so it's not like 16 hour days like a joke right it's really nothing right but i'd start getting tired more and more and i'm like why am i getting tired it was so draining crying every day telling people they have cancer and they come in they're like how can i have cancer i've only been smoking 70 years it's like (laughs) How does this happen? And, oh. and oral sex doesn't give you cancer. And, and so yeah. that's that's how it was. Um, so you were like, this is depressing. I need to do yeah. something fun, like give people new faces. Yeah. Well, that's and I didn't know how to get out of it in my head. I'm like, I have to help people. And then I started thinking, OK, why not do the cancer reconstruction? So oh. I started following the plastics guys. And I'm like, you know what? I was doing plastics and facial plastics. And I'm like, I'm going to do reconstruction. Then halfway through the reconstruction, my learning, I realized I'm like, this free flap shit is easy where you take something from here and patch it there. I'm like, that's not artistic. Hmm. And I realized the hardest thing I'd ever seen was a nose job out of any surgery. The hardest thing I could comprehend from a tummy tuck to breast to face, whatever it was, the nose job was the hardest. Why is a nose job the hardest? It's fickle. It's three-dimensional. It doesn't heal how you want it to. It's a floating structure that you're trying to get, stay still. And that's hovering off your face. Is so. this Is this just cartilage, this whole thing? It's bone on the top, cartilage on the bottom, and different types of cartilage. Okay, so I had recently done threading in my nose, and I saw you said on your page, don't do it. Look at my nose. See the bump? Yeah. Shouldn't be there. Don't ever <laughs> fucking do it. 
I got a thread in my nose because I was like, I want a nose job. And like, you know, I wanted, I got my nose injected before and done all this stuff to like change his shape. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we can do it with threads. We can, you know, raise the, you know, make your nose look really straight. Right. And it looked great for like two weeks. And then I started developing cartilage around the bottom of the thread. Yeah. We call them thread aches. Thread aches. Yeah. Thread aches. Great. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm going to get it. <laughs> They were like, we can cut a hole in your nose and remove it. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that. So they're like going to try to melt it. Oh, so they have a lot of good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they also can't melt it. So. I know. I'm supposed to go in because I'm like, oh, we have this device where we can put like Forma, it's called, or uh, Morpheus or something. They're that, like, we're going to try to. Cute. That they think. Stop. So, no, I'm fucked. Okay, so I'm just going to have a it, giant it, fake pimple it, on my nose gonna, the rest of my life. Well, yeah, if you're going to go somewhere where they're dumb enough to put a thread in your nose, the subsequent series of suggestions that they have might also be on the dumb side. Okay. So what would you do to my nose? Oh, well at this point, you're like you just chop it off. It. No, no, your nose is good. But, but at this point you just got to let it go away. The only safe thing to do if you're trying to break tension in a thread is to put a needle in there and just snap it at a couple points. Yeah. Otherwise you just got to let it dissolve. And if it forms scar tissue, then you can inject some five, five FU or a steroid if needed. Yeah. Cause I love this part, but then this happened and I was like, what is going on? Like, I feel like a bump. It's like a yeah. ball. It's, it's irritation, but uh, it'll likely go without anything. Yeah. Not so th guys don't get, th no, don't get threads in your nose or actually a girl who came in right after me who had her eyebrows lifted and she had bumps on each side of her head that stuck out and everyone's doing like the Bella Hadid, like, they think, oh, I'll just get threads and it'll look great. And then she had two giant bumps and she was having to do the same thing I did. Yeah. It's the, the, the doctors who do hold your mic closer. The there doctors go. who do yeah, th uh, threads in the nose and the lip. They're not good period. Yeah. Like they're just not good doctors. Some decent doctors do it in the brow, but their standard is generally not as high as like mine, you know, if right. I, if I, look at beauty and I look at effectiveness of a procedure, I have standards. I'm yeah. like, it's gotta be this good for me to do something. I'm yeah. not gonna do it if it's gonna produce a problem. So the, the brows are also not a good idea, but threads in the rest of the face, it's okay. But you can't do it repeatedly because it'll just ca cause a ton of scar tissue. There you go. So what, so what do you guys like recommend? And I know Robert, like I've just been talking to Ben the whole time and Robert's okay. here. Robert <laughs> he's, is, he's got a more interesting Robert's, Robert's Ben's partner. And, um, I even went to a consultation with Robert because my husband calls me fat all the time and I started getting in my head, but <laughs> my husband's used to being with girls that are like the size of my pinky, which I used to be, but then I got happy because we got married and I started eating sandwiches and you know, you eat a lot of yeah. sandwiches and things happen. Great. So you don't need to Thanks Robert. Actually. And that's just to show how professional they are. So I went to see Robert and he was like, you really don't don't have to do anything maybe like exercise a little bit and i was like suck it out and he's like no you should just exercise a little bit like that's just it i'm like even in that you look good no as but is. that's like what i appreciate is that like not when people just want to like you know just do it for the sake of doing it is like i really appreciated that that was like amazing and you know you guys both do like crazy work i mean i've seen you do a lot of mommy makeovers you remove breasts for people that are having like breast implant illness and that sort of thing and how did you get into wanting to do this and obviously and you're like very fit like you're also like a like a trainer <laughs> not quite I, I, here hold it hold it as close as you can oh can you hear me now yeah i can hear you now okay you're like why are you so ripped robert <laughs> like is it like all that lifting the abdomens no, like, like all the fat that you're all lifting all day yeah. i've seen his picture i'm like yeah. he's like the fittest doctor i've ever seen like how do you have time to work out i can't 
I, know, I try to make a little time every day. Look at you getting all shy. Right. Don't be shy. But um, the funny, like you were asking, like how I got into it. My story is almost like the opposite of Ben's, which is that like he had all this like circuitous route to get to point A to point B. And for me, if you'd asked me in junior year of high school, what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have said plastic surgeon, not really knowing. Really? Yeah. Cause it was like, for me, it was always about, um, I love working with my hands. I did a lot of art and sculpting and things of that nature. And I also like the sciences. So I was just trying to figure out what would work best where I could combine all that stuff and get like kind of the instant gratification too, of like seeing something you can actually physically create and change. And I like making people happy. I like interacting and, and spending time with people. So it seemed like a really good way to go. Plastic surgery. I kind of knew somebody in my local area that did it. I spent, you know, a summer watching them do surgeries all summer. Wow. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, this is, this is what I want like to do. Like as a young person? Yeah, you I was went, probably so 16. You were standing in on like boob surgeries. jobs, nose jobs. Yeah, he was doing like, a, it, was, it was mostly aesthetic surgery. And, and so I was like the whole gamut and I got to see what it was. And I knew that that was kind of what I was built to do. So for me, instead of like becoming a PI and then, um, you know, becoming a race car driver and this and that, I basically just like, I just was single track mind. So college, med school, residency, fellowship, and then boom in practice. But um, a little older than Ben. So I started in 2005 and then. Uh, older than no. I thought you were like 30. I just turned 48 actually. Okay. What kind of stuff are you doing on yourself? Cause we need that I information. Thank my parents for some good genetics for that, I guess. <laughs> okay. But I want to talk to you guys about like, is it scary the first time you're like cutting someone open? Like that has to be fucking terrifying. Can you imagine like you're like, even though they're out, but like just cutting through flesh well, and then the like, Here's the deal with that. And this actually, it's funny you say that because like literally last week I was doing a surgery and, and when I was marking the patient, getting ready for surgery, she looked at me, she's like, are you nervous at all? And I'm like, I just started laughing because I'm like, I'm like, do you get nervous when you get in your car to drive to work? And she's yeah. like, no, I'm like, that's kind of like what it is for me. Like when I'm operating, it's so second nature now. I don't even, it's like breathing or, or driving or doing any of these things. You, you don't have to, I mean, you have to think about it, you have to be conscientious. Right. But it's, it's like built in, you know, you know what like you're doing years of just doing the same thing. But so when you're learning to be a surgeon, they don't just throw you in the OR and say, figure it out. You're, you're going stepwise up the ladder. So you start with like doing very little things and watching a lot of stuff. And then you start doing a little bit more and watching less and doing more. And then as you get more and more experience, you start taking on harder and harder stuff. And the same thing in practice, as you get into private practice, that's the first time you're sort of alone without a safety net, which is the first time you're doing a surgery by yourself out of residency. It is a little nerve wracking because you know, you don't have a backup plan. It's basically you or you know, you're in trouble. So you need to know what you're doing. And then so you start, most people will start to take on maybe a little bit more of the straightforward cases at first. And as you get more experience, you start taking on more and more complex stuff. So that's like with both Ben and myself, we both got extremely specialized in our areas of expertise where we're taking on the hardest cases. For me, it's like breast revision is probably the most difficult stuff, especially when you're dealing with, um, you know, materials, implants, fat grafting, lifts, all these, like there's so many techniques I'll throw into given case and you might have two totally different problems with each breast and it's kind of like the equivalent of the redo rhinoplasties for ben yeah you might be taking cartilage from the ribs and the ears and it, it's a very very complicated surgery and if you can do the really hard stuff obviously the the easier stuff is is very straightforward for us did yeah. you ever have like a really scary experience where you were like oh fuck like someone who just started randomly bleeding or anything you like know, that i haven't had too many thankfully i haven't had too many scary experiences and Bad. i think i got a little lucky early in my career i took on some cases that were much more challenging than i think i realized at the time like you don't know enough to know enough at that point and so you're kind of maybe over overextend yourself a little bit so i got lucky in that the, the really hard cases i got i had the skill set to do and they they got progressively harder by luck so by the time i started getting really aware of how dangerous and tricky these cases were. I already had a huge amount of experience under my belt 
felt where I wasn't really nervous anymore. Mm-hmm. So I've had a few, I've had a few cases where I was like in the case and I'm like, oh man, this is really hard to fix. Um, but I never had a situation where I left the OR and I was unhappy with how things look, but sometimes it would take a, a lot of maneuvering to get there. And then now when I go to the OR, everything looks, you kind of make things look easy once you have a lot of experience. Like somebody's watching you do a complicated case, like then doing a really tricky face or a rhinoplasty. You're like, oh, that's an easy case. Like, look how he's just kind of breezing through it. But it's because of your experience level that you're able to do that. You don't realize how many, like your brain is just kind of clicking along and yeah. all the, the algorithms. Okay, if this happens, I need to do this and this. And we're kind of able to just work it out during the survey because we have all the the, um, the tools to fix the problem. But if you don't have all the tools, that's like like with the situation here, you're going to, the expression, you know, if, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, there's some surgeons who don't have the full range of experience, but they don't want to lose cases. So what they're going to do is they're going to shoehorn you into the techniques they know how to do. So I see stuff all the time where the, the wrong surgery is done for uh, to correct a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's because you kind of look at the maybe do a little research and you realize, well, the surgeon doesn't know how to do this, the surgery. So they might say, oh, you can't do this. Or you can't do that. And, and just because a particular person doesn't know how to do it doesn't mean it can't be done. It's just, they may not be the right person. So that's why I really wanted to specialize in what I do. So I don't really do a lot of face or I, I've done it. You all do that. mostly body. I do breast and body because I wanted to get extremely, extremely deep in terms of my knowledge base and my techniques. And I think it's, it's, Hard to be excellent at everything. I think if you subspecialize, you're going to get more depth and maybe less breadth. I still do a wide range of cases, as does Ben. But you know, if he's doing neck up, I'm doing neck down. It's there's a lot of tricky things in both areas, and it's hard to know uh, everything about everything. So I yeah. think the specialization does help. I wanted to ask you about Brazilian butt lifts because there's been a lot of cases lately. I mean, every girl on TikTok. I don't know if you guys are on TikTok at all. There's a ton of girls on TikTok. You're on TikTok. Of course, she's on TikTok. I'm dead. I'm about 20, 20, 30 years old. Get on TikTok. TikTok. You're going to get on TikTok. So there's a lot of girls on there doing the BBL and they're doing their before and after. And then there's been a couple girls on there who passed away. And why is that? Why do, why is it so, and everyone keeps going, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Why is a Brazilian butt lift so dangerous? Is it that dangerous or is it just if you don't know what you're doing? Both. So okay. it is a little bit of a higher risk surgery. The why, numbers, why is that? The numbers of like, like sometimes recorded like one in 3000 death rate. If you really parse through that data, I don't think it's totally accurate. I think it's probably less than that. Did you say one in 3000? That, that was sort of the, uh, that was some of the data out there on like some of the worst case uh, analyses, but I don't think it's quite that bad. Okay. But you know, um, it's still, it's still obviously a very concerning situation. So the reason people tend to have fatalities from if they're going to from that surgery is from what's called a fat embolus. So what's happening is you're liposuctioning fat out, then you're processing the fat to put back in as a fat graft. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're doing it, like, for example, if I'm doing it in the breast, I'm doing sort of, you know, maybe a hundred, 200, 300 at most cc's of fat volume in the breast. The blood vessels are pretty small there. It's, it's very uh, safe to put in. If you're doing the butt, some of these people are like, they want like a, you know, like the really round full look, they might be putting like 1500 or more cc's per butt area in, in the deeper tissue in the buttocks the veins are really big so it's it's not so hard and they're and the blood pressure in those veins is pretty low so it's not so hard to get your cannula which is the little the little um kind of like the tube that you're injecting the fat with you can puncture into a vein and if you inject fat into the vein that fat will go to the heart to the lungs and it can create an embolus and oh my can, God. You, you can't breathe properly so that's where the danger from fat grafting comes. And then just beyond the um, that particular danger, which is obviously the most serious problem, um, just in general, uh, buttock fat grafting, there's a lot of people who overdo it too much. And you're getting these very distorted looking 
patients where uh, you look at it and you're like, that, in no way could that occur in nature. It looks completely ridiculous. It's so overdone. And, and the problem is, as you see more of these overdone with any kind of surgery, once you sit, see these really fake or, or artificial looks and people keep seeing it over and over again, all of a sudden the consciousness becomes, well, that's normal. I want to look like that. And that's not where surgery should go. Surgery really should be trending towards a very natural look, like beautiful and ideal, but not like outside what you'd kind of normally expect. Yeah. To you see. don't want someone to look at you and go, I want that surgery. Right. Like, yeah. You want someone to look at you and go, I want to look as beautiful as that girl, you know, you know, and that's what's happening. People are starting to get this warp idea of what they should look like. And it's creating a lot of body dysmorphia or on a lower scale, maybe just just dissatisfaction with how they look when they look perfectly fine, perfectly normal. You're like a mild, you know, like when you came in, you saw me and you're like, oh, my thighs didn't really bother me. I'm like, it's happening to me because I, well, I was born with clubbed feet. So I had casts put on my legs really young. So I've always had a lot of thigh, like heavy thighs. Cause like when I was little, I was in casts. So until I was like older, a little bit older and my thighs grew really muscular from like dragging my legs kind of. And so my thighs have always been heavier now that I don't work out or run really. Like they just got kind of like not as nice. And so I was like, I was like, Robert, can you suck all my fat out of my thighs? He's like, why don't you go for a walk and like drink some water? You look look better than normal. Okay. Okay, Thanks. Thank you. Even average is fine, but you look look great as is. I love it. Um, And the problem is when somebody's already looking pretty good, you have to be very, very careful that you don't then make them actually look worse. I can't tell you how many patients I've seen for breast revision surgery who come in, they've had, eight, 10, 12 prior surgeries. They've spent literally sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars and they look way worse than they did before they started the process. And they they cry and they say, I don't know why I ever did this in the first place. And then, you know, like I do my best to put them back to normal. In a lot of cases I can really fix them, but it's like so much wasted anguish, time, money, years sometimes where they won't show their, I've had patients who haven't dated for years because they've been too self-conscious. What's like the worst case you've seen of boobs? I've seen a few really bad ones. So one one really weird one that's on my website that you might've seen was a patient who um, went to multiple surgeons. And then the last guy she went to was a friend of hers, was an ER doctor who didn't have any true surgical training. And people think like this is easy surgery and it's not, it's very complicated. So he wanted to get her breast implants closer together. So in doing that, he completely dissected off the muscle and and so the whole muscle flipped um below the the implant so when she'd flex the implant would move up like that like on top of her chest it was was like kind of almost coming up to her neck and in the middle it was the weirdest thing so this implant was way down off to the side and this one was kind of moving up like this so i had to completely flip the muscle back up and do all this complicated revision work with reinforcement materials and all that. That was a bad one. The worst ones I think are where patients have too much tissue removed where you can't fix it without doing like some kind of flap or some, some kind of very cancer type surgery to, mm-hmm. to move tissue around, which creates a lot of scarring and that kind of stuff. So there are some irreversibly damaged breasts where you can make them better, but you can't totally fix them. And you can just trace back where this all started. And a lot of times it's basically cutting corners. You know, you see a lot of stuff, bad stuff from patients traveling overseas to get mm-hmm. cheaper or overseas or, you know, out of the country to get cheap surgery. And cheap means corners are being cut. So I always, it just blows my mind. You get one body, you know, you can't, there, you know, it's not like, this is not the time to, to try to cut corners. This yeah. is the time to go for quality and make sure that whoever's doing it has a maximum level of expertise. Cause even in the best of hands, you can get complications, but you're minimizing that risk when you're going to a, you know, well-qualified surgeon. I mean, this is like a prime example that like you see like horrible face stuff and Ben can fix that stuff. But if you go to him in the first place, you won't you're have not going to deal problem, with it. You know? Yeah. I've seen like, you have to go to their pages guys. They do amazing work. Um, We're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back with Ben Talley and Robert Cohen on 
worse first. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. <laughs> my whole face is filler and everyone knows that. And I don't mind talking about it because my face used to be shaped like a jalapeno. Like I'm very, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm completely open about that because my face was so angular and thin and gaunt. And I don't know why, like no matter how much weight I gained, my face didn't never gained weight. And I always looked very gaunt and very like unwell. And so uh, my, my girlfriend was like, why don't you go and get some filler? Like it'll balance your face. And then everyone thinks I had my whole face plastic surgery but really just had filler it's not surgery it's just filler and so you but you've told me recently or you said on your page that it's getting too much fill like filler doesn't really go away yeah so filler uh the, the main one that we use is hyaluronic acid they're these gels that you inject in the face made from like a fermented uh Fermentation from bacteria, but it's a gel. Oh, great. That, yeah. That, <laughs> bacteria face. That's it's, it's a bacteria face. <laughs> Good old bacteria face. Yeah. And, and it's it's benign in general, yeah. but like everyone thinks it just goes away because they're like, okay, every six months it goes away. Or we did a study where two years later it was uh, clinical effect was gone. So it lasts two years. And the, the, the intent of these studies is not to see whether or not it dissolves. It's to see how long it lasts because people want something that's long lasting financially and for the benefit of their face. But what happens is these are bioactive fillers. You put it in the face, your face reacts to it, and not all of it dissolves, or sometimes all of it stays. So from the, in permanence, it could be 0% permanent or 100% permanent. It's Depending almost, on your body. Yeah, and it's almost never zero. Right. It, it's almost never 100. It's somewhere in that range that you'll keep fillers. And so uh, people get something called filler fatigue. Filler fatigue means your face is getting tired of the shit. It's like you're putting too much. It keeps clogging up the channels that drain your face. So you start, your face starts to act differently. It doesn't move well anymore. Your face starts to get more stiff and people talk like this. Their lip gets kind of flaccid and doesn't move. Me in two years. I'm all, welcome back to the podcast, Ben. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. So yeah, people turn into like I actually like don't get it beasts. anymore. Yeah. That's so crazy. And there's people who are in Beverly Hills who are like talented, supposedly they're fucking horrible, I think. But, oh no. Um, and, and they're the ones doing this and they don't, they're, they're dysmorphic themselves, the doctors. Yeah. So there's, there's one that we call the beast maker or I call her the beast maker. And she just makes everybody look like a beast. You have to tell me who it is after. I'll tell you after. I know yeah. you're not going to say it on here. Yeah. And I'll go, I'll fix someone's lips entirely and I'll just dissolve everything out of it, make it look beautiful, fix it. And then they go to the beast maker and the beast maker, boom, <laughs> like just jacks it all up again. And so the doctors or the injectors themselves are dysmorphic. They have oh a dysmorphic eye. So they don't know what looks good. So they keep filling the face with shit and it gets bigger. It stops moving and it's not great. And I have patients come in who just come to me too. And they're like, I want more. I want more. I want more of this. I want more of this. And I'm like, what are you chasing? I'm like, you're chasing some kind of like filtered face that is doesn't not supposed exist. To exist on yeah. a human. And you have to try to tell them. And so I have patients who come in, I had this one patient, I have no nice way to say, hey, your face is jacked. Like there's no, oh, no, you can't just say it. So I tell her, I go, listen, what I'm seeing right now is you've got a gun pointed to your head. You've got a big problem. <laughs> you got a gun pointed to your head and you keep pointing at this one thing that is meaningless. It's like, it's like you have a gun pointed to your head and someone's poking you with a toothpick and all you're talking about is the fucking toothpick. Oh no. And I'm like, but there's a gun pointed at your head. Yeah. I'm like, this is your jacked up. And, and you can't fix her. You can't dissolve like her whole face or. I can. I don't want to because then they blame then she's you gonna, for everything. Oh, yeah, cause so. then people are like, cause then these people get so, and I have girlfriends like this who get so psycho with this like crazy plastic looking face that they, when you tell them to dissolve it and I've had a girlfriend who had her whole like pretty much dissolved and she looked great and normal and then she freaked out 
And she like yelled at the doctor and was like, you ruined my face, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, girl, you look so good. Like she looked beautiful, but she got so used to looking so swollen and inflated that when they took everything away, she's like, I look so old. I'm like, no, you look uh, beautiful. And then she went and rehad it all done. And she goes on this constant cycle, dissolving, refilling, dissolving, refilling. And it's like, and it's so, so they get used to seeing themselves a certain way. And this is a type of dysmorphia. And there's, they in general, either used to it or they have bad taste. Yeah. So you go take someone who's used to looking bad, who has bad taste and you change them from their bad look they get pissed off. Mm-hmm. And then you do dissolver, which dissolver also changes the dynamic of your face. Dissolver dissolves your face. It's not Does just- Does it dissolve a, your actual yeah, face? Yep. And, and any doctor- Have any, your face is melting yeah, <laughs> And any doctor who says otherwise has no clue how dissolver works. Because, and they're just behind. And this is the same thing with like six, seven years ago. I was saying like, filler migrates. You got to understand it. And, it does. And, and every doctor is like, no, it's impossible. Then I'm like, dude, and what? just because your theory says it's impossible, I'm seeing it. It happens. I see it on myself. Yeah. Like I had my lips done like probably two years ago and I like still get them like touched up here and there, but I stopped because I noticed the filler is starting to go up here. It moves and it won't and move like, a mile, but what? it moves a centimeter. Like, I notice, like it does, it moves, like it yeah. starts to move up. So I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like yeah. I'm just going to leave it. So now I'm in this battle again, where every time I talk about dissolvers harming your face permanently, or even temporarily doctors who have no idea what they're talking about. Are like, how can you say this? Patients are coming to me saying that they saw on your page that fillers can deflate your face permanently. I'm like, well, because it's reality, just because you don't want to accept that like H. pylori, a bacteria can actually cause, this is like the example they give you in medicine to like open your mind, is that nobody thought a bacteria could live in your stomach and cause ulcers, right? But now mm-hmm. we all know it can. Same thing. Nobody thinks that like putting a dissolver in your face can permanently damage you. 100% it can. So people come in now, they get overfilled. They look jacked. You dissolve them. Now you got rid of all the, all the filler they're used to, the water that surrounded it, and you deflated their face on top of it. So now they look gaunt, their skin looks dry because it doesn't have water retaining capacity. It loses it. So you mess them up. Now they have no chase but choice but to chase it again by so filling it again. So, oh, so and then, then radio frequency and then dissolver again and then filler again. Oh, it's a cycle. Yeah, yeah. So you don't really like doing filler anymore at all. Maybe just a little bit. So so I was the volumetrically, like if you talk to the companies, I was the number one injector in Beverly Hills mm-hmm. for about four years. I as a one person, not as a group. Um, I was doing 20 to 40 people minimum a day injecting and it wow. was ruining my life because people come back in and they nitpick like this oh, thing here. This God. And I didn't mind it, but I, when I had time, it was okay. But I was already working 5.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. and I couldn't do it. So I'm like, you know what? I'll cut half of it out. I cut half out, but people still know you do it. Mm. So they're like, please get me in, please. So I had to say zero, hundred percent. I just don't do it. You don't and, do it anymore. And I cut it out. And now like, I'll do it for you. But e- even, even my mom. I don't goes, even, like, and I haven't even gotten it in so long, but I actually, it's so crazy. Cause when I watched your thing is like, I haven't gotten it in so long, but then I'll notice like out of nowhere, if I drink a lot of water or if I like get really hydrated, my face will swell up. Yes. Yeah, and you were saying way. the filler fills with water. Yeah, it's it's still in there. So I'm like, I'm not touching my face for like a really long time. Like I'm very much like over yeah. it. Yeah, filler you do as you have to. Yeah, like if I those. start to look like a skeleton again, then yeah, but I'm like exactly. not until then. But that's how you do it. It's not meant to be re-upped all the time. And that's yeah. what these guys treat it as. Like come every six months for your maintenance. That's what they say. And not I'm like- smart. It's not smart. Botox, okay. Botox, Botox is, fine. yeah, everybody does that. I mean- but filler you don't re-up. You do it when needed because it can change the way your face functions. Yeah. How it moves and how it drains. It has a big effect. 
Have you guys seen those girls who've gotten Botox in their eye like permanently fell? Oh, it's not permanent, that's or temporarily, yeah. yeah. So you can get a lid droop. The, the, the nice thing about Botox is it's hard to do any kind of like serious damage. Okay. You can make somebody look really weird yeah. temporarily. Yeah. I mean, you see some people like, every once in a while on like red carpet, you're yeah. like, yikes, like that was bad Botox or yeah. whatever. Some with an eyelid droop, but that'll go away. Yeah. You're not going to damage fillers. You're going to potentially damage if you don't know what you're doing. What I was going to say before is it's sort of like the the whole boiled bull, bullfrog thing where, you know, if you put a frog in a water and you turn the heat up slowly, it won't know it's dying, dying. until it's dead. Yeah. So it's, it's like the same thing with oh people God. with fillers. They, they yeah. put a little in and then they then they're like, oh, that looks good. And then they're like, well, if a little looks good, maybe more looks better. And yeah. they put a little more and they get used to that and they keep upping it. Why up. do we not know when to stop? That's because you, the people get used to that look. And like the the kind of the breast and body equivalent that, that I see a lot is like patients with need breast reductions. And I'll get sometimes patients with like G cup or whatever, like crazy, like giant breasts or completely droopy. And I'll make them go from that to like maybe like, like a C or a D or whatever, you know, they think they want. And um, I, I, now I've had this happen so many times. I'll have a conversation with them before and I'll say, you are used to giant breasts. These are not normal breasts. These are way off the spectrum. I'm going to get you to a full regular look. When you're a full regular look, you're going to feel like you're way too small because you're used to this crazy look. In about three months, your brain is going to recalibrate. And now you're going to come back to me and you're going to say, I don't know what I was thinking when I thought I was too small. They're perfect. I, I can't tell you how many times this has happened because people get used to an image. Like you're talking about big fake boobs. Girls come in. I'm not talking in. about fake. Oh. I'm talking about like natural Even natural big boobs. Okay. The fake breasts would be like even a worse situation where because that's a doctor's fault that they keep putting in bigger and bigger implants. I'm talking about patients born with that. But Mm -hmm. the the brain gets used to a certain look and once you're used to that, that becomes your normal. And if you veer off from that, it feels weird even when what feels weird is actually the normal look. So it's kind of like what Ben was saying when somebody gets some of these fillers dissolved, they actually look uh, empirically way better. Like if you mm-hmm. showed like a bunch of like true beauty experts or whatever and showed the two faces, they'll say, okay, they look better after. The patient doesn't like how they look because they got used to this like over swollen alien cheeks, like slant, you know, kind of like kind of weird angles for the the cheekbones and all this stuff that doesn't look natural. <laughs> no, you look, I mean, you look good. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about the, like, we're talking about like you're walking down. My bed, podcast like, editor is just zooming in on my face. <laughs> Fuck you, Daniel. I'm just kidding. No, but like you, you go to, like you walk through yeah. Beverly Hills and yeah. you see like an older lady and they think they look young and they and just they look, look crazy. like an alien. And yeah. like you would look so much better if you literally never did anything and just let yourself age. Yeah. You can fix these things tastefully, but you, if you overdo it, you make people look weird and you have to trust, like, like Ben was saying, you see some of these injectors that they themselves are injected mm-hmm. and they look so crazy. I don't know how, I literally don't know how somebody could walk in, see that face and say, all right, I'm going to let you adjust my face because they look insane. Okay, and, I know a couple of people you're talking some about. Very, there were some very famous injectors who looked very, very weird. And I just don't know how, you know, I don't know how patients trusted them, but as as Ben said, sometimes patients don't necessarily know what looks right and they don't know who to trust to, to say, this looks good. Don't overdo it. And what about like filler in the body? You don't do that, right? Or do uh, you? Uh, you know, the, the problem with the body is it's much bigger areas than in the face. So if you're trying to do any kind of like injectable, you know, each CC of, of filler is going to be fairly costly. And so you can't use like a, a million CCs. Yeah. So for the body, usually we're going to be doing fat grafting okay. to add volume. The problem is some patients just don't have enough fat to, to harvest, but um, fat's much better to use in the body. Uh, with the breast, you know, obviously we have implants when they don't have enough fat, fat to use for fat grafting. Um, but in the face, you can get away with you know, these small volumes. Yeah. So you don't are, do like the doctors that fill the girls' butts with like silicone, like, no, you mean, know, try the, to like no, free silicone the is whole. the worst idea. Cause if you inject silicone into the tissues, you can get infections, you can get 
uh, cysts. You can get encapsulation. It can get infected later and work its way to the skin. People can be completely deformed by that stuff. The only the only substance that we do inject sometimes, like in the butt or other areas, if for patients who don't have enough fat, would be Sculptra. Oh, that's what I meant. Sculptra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that could be used, but it's it's not going to be like hugely volumizing. It just can create, it's, it's again, it's, it's really mostly designed for use in the face, but you can use it in body areas to create a little bit more thickness or smoothness when you don't have the fat to graft. And that's a nice tool. It's very low risk as long as you know what you're doing. Do we have anything to treat cellulite yet? Cause like I saw a guy who was like, he was like, I can fix your cellulite with no surgery. And he was literally just injecting the dimples with Sculptra just so it was all even. And I was like, oh my God, like what, how do you the treat? With that is cellulite really is basically these little fibrous attachments yeah. from the deeper tissue and the muscle layer to the skin. And so when you sit or put pressure on the skin, it turns little, like an orange kind of peel in and it'll create that little indentation. So truly you kind of have to divide those little bands to get rid of. How the, do you do uh, that? There's, there's different ways right now that they actually, I know there's some new products that might be able to like non-invasively dissolve some of these bands that they're, yeah. uh, I don't know exactly where it is in the phase right now, but um, there's also a device called Selfina, which uses a little blade that goes under the skin and kind of cuts those. Is areas. that surgery? It's, it's sort of like not really surgery, but it's, it's not totally non-invasive. Do you have to get put under for it? Uh, usually you need some kind of either local anesthetic or, or yeah. You don't it's called Selfina. Selfina. And so how does that work? That goes, it has like a little, it stabilizes the <laughs> taking notes. It's got yeah, like a little. Uh -huh. It's got like a little uh, um, kind of like a platform that stabilizes the skin, and then it has like a little um, blade that kind of nicks the and, and divides those little. And it works pretty there. well. It works pretty. I, I don't do it personally, so I, I can't yeah. comment on that. But from what I've seen, it, it helps a fair amount. But it's it. It, it only works in a smallish area. So if you have like a lot of area, then you're gonna have to have. A what fair do you do for cellulite when people come in and are like, "I hate my fucking cellulite." I mean, I don't think there's like a lot of great options for that right now. I would, if they really want that, I could you know refer them to somebody who does Selfina. Um, we have like some de a device called uh, Profound, which can kind of tighten the skin and maybe camouflage that. some of these things. I mean, you could do like things like the Sculptra or certain things to try to camouflage it a little bit yeah. more. Um, yeah, that might be a, you know, so like the, like the things that like are going to make people billionaires that, that are, they're working on cellulite correction, uh, skin tightening, non-invasive skin tightening, all these things that like, there's a lot of demand for it, uh, fat melting, all that, that. So there's a lot of work being put into it, but nothing, there's no perfect options yet. They're just, they keep getting better, but we're still, uh, you, a lot of the, when you're doing these kind of procedures or, or these different things, a lot of it's about managing patient expectations. So they're not expecting surgical results from a non-surgical procedure. I'm just like shocked. Like how in 2021 do we not have a device that just goes over the skin and just melts the fat? Like how, how do we not have that? How do we not have something that just goes on top and it only goes to like, you know, the, the layer damage because the, the really tricky part with skin tightening or fat melting is you don't want to damage the surface layers. Like for example, if I'm doing a, a breast lift where I have to take off some of the surface skin anyway, and then I use my cautery to, to stop bleeding and kind of shrink the deeper tissue. As soon as you apply cautery to that deeper dermis, which is a deep of the skin, it's almost like a shrinky dink. It's it's crazy how much stuff will tighten, like by 50% sometimes. So I'm thinking, wow, if I could just do that to any body part, you'd correct it. But the problem is you damage the surface skin. Mm -hmm. So, and then you get burns and, and bad scarring. So they need to figure out a way to create tightness in the deeper tissue without damaging or distorting the surface tissue. It's a lot easier said than done. Same thing with fat. What's that? Sorry, I'm, I'm shrinky I'm, uh, dink. That's for people who are in. Hey guys, next surgery I'm getting is the shrinky dinks. And, uh, older people, it's like a little thing you cut out, put it in the toaster oven, and it would kind of shrink to like a quarter of its size. Oh it's my kinda, God. That's so crazy. So. so, what's like the most popular? And I know, Ben, the most popular thing you do is this thing called the Aura Lift. 
Well, tell us about the aura lift. What's that all about? Since you're not like, you don't want to like put a bunch of stuff in our face. So what is the aura? I saw you did this guy on your page, the pastor. Oh yeah. Pastor Brad. Oh my God. You made him look amazing. Yeah. He's like, this guy had not to talk shit because Jesus, but like this guy had like (laughs) a a full on, like his neck just went straight like this. And you gave him the most chiseled jawline. Was that yeah. all aura lift? That, yeah, that was the aura lift. So, so he, yeah, he's a great guy. He, he was sent to me through like the Kardashians. Like he does stuff uh, wow. with him. I guess he's known as like Pastor Brad. But, oh, okay. Um, so he came in with his wife and they are both like the sweetest people. And they came in saying like, you know, we were going to, and this is what happened. They're like, we were going to go on like a big vacation for a couple months, but we just thought like, why not just make ourselves look better together? And, and neither of them had a thing in their face. Like they were just ever virgins. Like, yeah, the wife had a little like filler from before maybe or something in the lip and that's it. They're mm. both so simple. And they went from like nothing. I'm like, well, I'm going to cut you <laughs> and I'm going to cut you a lot. And so you I, changed his life. I did a, an aura lift on him. So we did it. It's like a two and a half hour thing. And um, it's like a face and neck lift, but it's a new way of doing it. So you're not doing this whole like skin pulling, tightening, stretching thing, but you do make cuts and uh, the cuts disappear and you just. Where are the cuts like back behind your ear? They, they go, I have your... two ways of doing it. One's called the weekend lift and that's like, Dead, that's for like lift. younger people. Yeah. It used to be, it used to take a weekend to heal from it. That's why now it takes like a week and a half, but like you can't call it a week and a half at lift. Yeah. So I left it as weekend lift, but that one, you just make cuts behind the ear and a tiny one here. And you go actually do an internal neck lift. So you're not cutting away skin. You tighten up the muscle and it's pretty cool. And I do profound over the whole face. Or a lift, you're actually like making incisions kind of around the hairline into the ear behind the ear. And then you're lifting this. So when people like sit there doing this like all the time, that's that's what I'm doing. How did you get his neck to go like all the neck? Like it was like his neck. And Daniel, I'm going to show the picture. So his neck is like, was like, we're going to be showing the pictures yeah. like straight down. And now it's, yeah, it's just duct tape. You put duct tape on the back. I'm and like, dead. And pull it back and I'm it, dead. No, yeah, so. that's so crazy. Like he yeah. literally like, well, what's it, cool about the procedure. It's when surgeons look at it, they think I did a huge lift. Yeah. And it looks like a big it, difference. Yeah. It's not a huge lift. And I show it to surgeons to teach them. I'm like, this is a small lift. Actually. I go, you just have to learn how to recompartmentalize the face, the face, falls out of its compartments over time. And people don't three-dimensionally, they don't understand the face three, three-dimensionally. They think like neck droops like this. And yeah. I have to explain to them, I'm like, no, it goes like this. It does it goes this forward. and it comes in. Yeah. Ew. And <laughs> to reinstate the neck to its prior glory, yeah. you have to like choke someone. That's the idea. It oh, sounds shit. weird, <laughs> but that's the movement that you actually have to make. In, and this is a new thing that I'll be publishing on, but is you have to choke someone. You have to like take things back up and in like this, like you're choking them. Okay. And so that's all I did on him. I barely wow. lifted him. It's amazing. And I'm showing this picture right now. And it's like incredible. Like the results are amazing. Like what, um, what age do people usually come in to do this stuff? Like what age does the face start to really just fall? It, it depends. If you're white, you're screwed. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I'm Italian. Yeah. So what does, does it, that it, count? I'm it, dead. I've got a couple uh, little more years. Italians, yeah, it, it's, it's <laughs> in your favor. Better, yeah, hold, yeah, holds up a little better. Hey, forget about hey. it. I'm dead. Yeah, but for, yeah, so so they say black don't crack, Asian don't raisin. Oh, my gosh. Um, and Asians are usually good till they're like 65. I know and my Asian they, friends have beautiful skin, they, yeah. Uh, but they plummet at 65 because okay. the skin quality changes. Oh, but, weird. Um, and, and the reason black don't crack is because the density of the skin in Middle Eastern uh, people, black people, kind of that range of skin tone is usually thicker 
connections like the cellulite when you think about those bands yes um darker skin tends to have more of those types of bands oh. in, the, in the face so it doesn't really collapse as fast or go down as fast but the let, let, let's say the thinner white skin usually around like 30 years old or something they start to droop and that's when they start chasing the skin tightening and all that and now uh for that type of person you're usually doing facelifts from 40 years old and on so 40 to 60 and if you don't want to do a facelift mm -hmm. what is this profound thing because i know that's not surgery that's just a laser right or yeah, it's a radio frequency device so does so it melt filler um it it denatures filler a little and metabolizes filler faster oh. it does not melt filler the, okay. the temperature to melt filler is like insane okay uh, but profound is like a radio frequency device so a laser okay. shoots light into skin or through skin that's what a laser does it's photons okay a radio frequency means you're using the electricity from the wall taking it to a machine and you're putting the electricity in your face and the electricity can go in in modified ways called radio frequency <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> just getting yeah. are you awake when this happens yeah you're awake and uh you numb up the whole face and profound is the most effective one that's ever existed for tightening the face tightening the face and how T long does that last uh, it lasts probably four or five years before you. That's a age long out. time. Yeah. And none of these radio frequencies wow. are magic, but this is like the most solid. You and can you use profound on the body? Yeah. Do you use it on the body? Yeah. So for, for patients, like size, like jiggly yeah, size. Exactly. And there's certain areas that like a little safer than others. But if you have like a modest loose skin, not enough where you really want to do like skin resection and take on the scars, you can do these as sort of like a bridge procedure or just wow. something like if somebody wants some improvement, you know, as long as they understand the, again, it's all about expectations. So as long as their expectations are moderate improvement for minimal or to no scarring, that's a fair trade off for them. And then there's some patients who are beyond that where it's, it's, it would be a waste of money or you'd be sort of, misleading if you you know recommend anything besides surgery so wow you guys are amazing this has been great you've been here an hour and we've talked about the worst your worst having a pi jobs having to like serve people those people are cheating on them we've talked about crazy plastic surgery we've talked about you know your guys's stuff and i'm so excited that you both came all the way to woodland hills to share all this information with me and i'm so grateful and I, guys go check out if you're interested both of their pages at um ben tally just ben tally not dr ben tally on there just is it dr ben tally okay yeah, yeah. at dr Ben Talley at Robert Cohen, MD, is both of their pages. And then Beverly Hills Cent Surgical Center. Beverly Hills Center dot com. Do they have their own Instagram page too? Just Beverly Hills Beverly, Center? At Beverly Hills Center. At yeah. Beverly Hills Center. But you guys both have a lot of work on your pages. And Ben, you have a podcast. So let's plug yeah. your podcast, dude. Yeah. You, you Come on, man. Do, yeah. This is what you do on podcasts. So, so, I mean, we talk about the same things you talk about. I love it. <laughs> the a, worst shit that's ever happened to people. Ever. I'm dead. No, no mine's <laughs> the, the reality pill, which is I, uh, I hate stupid people and I hate bullshit. Yeah. I hate bullshit and I hate people who like hypocrisy and all that yeah. stuff so the whole idea is that we're dispelling myths in okay. either about people or dispelling myths in professions so i could talk to a voiceover actress or a doctor half of it is medical just mm -hmm. because like i talk about my own interests and things that i can talk about you know it's kind of boring to have a podcast and you're like oh tell me about spaceships i don't know anything about spaceships um so so that's what it is and uh, i recorded the first season pretty much and now i'm starting the the second one and the first 
episode I just recorded with Kate Del Castillo like uh, last week. So we're ready to start doing the second one. And it's called The Reality Pill. The reality and pill. it's on I- iTunes and everywhere, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere yeah. you can get podcasts. So that's great. Make sure to check out Ben's podcast and you can check out the segment that he was talking about with the filler stuff, which was about scaring me for life. And, uh, you know, and go check out both of their workers. They're both so talented. And uh, yeah, I'm going go, uh, go to go get Ben to do surgery on me in the next couple of days. <laughs> No, but guys, make sure to follow both of them and make sure to stay tuned for another episode of Worst First. I love all you guys. Thank you so much for staying here and listening and we will see you next week. Bye.